Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast for the final episode of the October special. Yeah, welcome, guys. <laughs> We're, I'm in my cape. We've got our nice kind of Halloween decorations.、Um, we kind of talked about it in the first one, but we grew these little squash pumpkins in our own garden, and they absolutely. Overtook everything, so lesson yeah, learned. They don't taste great either. Yeah, they're more, I don't know, they're just more for aesthetic value, I guess.、Okay. <laughs> Why are you supposed to grow them? No. Oh well. <laughs> um I didn't pick the seeds, you picked the seeds just for fun. I picked the、you、seeds. Our lesson don't do that again. I, I love the look of them, I love how warty they are and everything. I think they have such a cool aesthetic. but... Really worked out for this for decoration for our Spooktober. Yeah, worked out for the decoration, and maybe we can go around on Halloween handing these out to people. <laughs> <laughs> We're cutting it fine, actually. We're recording this so close to Halloween, so it's due for release on Halloween. So, yeah, this yeah. has been a jam packed month for us. Yeah, and happy. Hallow's Eve, I guess, is、yeah. um, when you will have this. And with the thinning of the veil and everything, this episode is going. I mean, you could potentially use this episode to、uh, summon or conjure some spirits from the other side yourself. <laughs> Although, not officially recommended. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, this、uh, podcast was originally going to be about demons. And we were going to kind of talk about、um, demons and some of the rituals and summoning them through the texts known in the Lesser Keys of Solomon. But as I was kind of doing my research, I got taken down a different path. And it's still in the realm of spirits and demons, but it's going to be perceived through a different lens. So the grimoire. Of the Lesser Keys of Solomon was、um, written in a long time ago, <laughs> BC, and it is a text, there's a text within this、um, grimoire known as the Ars Goetia,、um, which through Western interpretation and which is kind of mainly interpreted through Abramelin.、Um, The Order of the Golden Dawn and also Aleister Crowley. And mainly it talks about demons and how to invoke, bind, and get them to work for you. So the Ars Goetia, also known as the 72 Pillars or the Lemigton, I don't know how to say that, Lemigton, is an alleged group comprised of 72 demons. With exemplary strength and their own legions. Through the Western mind, their great amount of power and leadership status among the lesser demons also grants each Goetia the authority to exert command over Lucifer's other forces within hell. It is said that Lucifer himself is confident enough of the Ars Goetia's abilities to send them out on potentially hazardous missions, such as gathering information in the human world. Fighting strong angels such as seraphim by themselves and searching for items that would benefit the Emperor of Hell 
or even destroying certain things that may be an obstacle. Now, most of the Ars Goetia in the Western mind are not actually pure demons, but were in actuality fallen angels that apparently rebelled alongside Lucifer during the war in heaven. Lucifer's respect and even care for the Ars Goetia is reflected in his manner of addressing them, often referring to them as my dear brother, brothers or my beloved fallen. While all of them are completely loyal to Lucifer, some of the loyalists are also discreetly so fearful of him that they almost desire to refuse following him. Lucifer himself is known to be harsh and cruel to them should they fail in a certain task, but he is not completely without mercy as he chooses to spare them from a cruel punishment. So, that was kind of a brief rundown of the Western take on it, but as you can see, we kind of have a lot of Christian dialects in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the mention of Lucifer, the seraphim, the angels. We have mention of hell. And at first glance, it's like, okay, that's pretty interesting. But what it doesn't really make sense because we have to take into account where the origin of this text came from. So the origins of the Lesser Keys of Solomon and the Ars Goetia are in the Middle East. And when referring to the Goetia, they normally talk about the 72 spirits or demons. And through Christianity, anything that is not a part of God and his angels are considered demons or devils. Um, but the, in the Middle East, the Arabic word for spirit is jinn which means hidden or concealed. And the Goetia is meant to refer to howling. And Paul Hughes Barlow claims that it refers not to the screams of the spirits as the Western indicate, but to the Islamic call to prayers heard by medieval Westerners. According to Paul Hughes Barlow, much of what is written about the Goetia is wrong. He claims that the 72 Goetia are not demons at all, but are in fact the jinn of old Arabic legend. So what are the jinn? Many do not know in the West what the jinn are according to that name, but we may know them as genies. And genies have been kind of popularized in Western media and um, genies were inspired by the idea of the jinn like in Aladdin you know, with the lamp and his, and the Robin, what was his name? Robin Williams, Robin Williams, is that his name? You know, he played the genie in Aladdin. Did he? Yeah. In the cartoon? Yeah. All right, I didn't know. Yeah, Robin Williams, and then I guess (laughs) Will Smith in the live action. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we kind of have this idea of what genies are, but... um, Obviously, the truth and history of them is a lot more complex, and we always think about them as these kind of, I don't know, my initial idea of a genie was sort of this wish giver who's trapped in an object, whether it be a lamp or a bottle or some sort of things um, that is almost like a slave. They're like bound to this, and they can give people three wishes, Mm, right? That's what I think. Yeah. So 
that's kind of how they've evolved and that's kind of how we see them. But um, they were not always bound like we imagine. That came later with the sorcerer and powerful king known as Solomon. So before we get into dive into genies, we have to kind of understand who the hell is Solomon. Mm. And we talked about him in our previous episode a little bit, a little bit, but I hadn't done any proper research on him. So I could only talk like off the top of my head about what I know about him. Um, But yeah, so let's, let's get into him. So who was Solomon? Have you ever heard of Solomon, no. like witchcraft and stuff? No, I've only like heard it as a name coming up in references and stuff, and like you mm. mentioning it, but I don't know anything about. Yeah, because you're like a green witch. You practice plants, herbs, witchcraft, and you. I say right. I'm an eclectic witch, mm. but like I mix, you know, everything. My deities, yeah. Mother Mary. <laughs> and you mainly but work with just like good nature, na- nature and light, dragon and dra- spirits. Yeah. Like, um, benevolent like, stuff. Pretty much, yeah. Like, I don't... I have experience with, like, you know, trickster spirits, but not by choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, there's different sects of magics which, um, like, bind sort of darker demons or things like that to do their bidding. Yeah, um, you can draw power from certain demons to achieve certain things. Um, it's like called, isn't that called like, um, it's got some kind of term for it. People who use demons in their like demonology? Maybe, Demonologists? Yeah. Well, that's kind of, demonology is like the study of demons. Um, but yeah, normally they kind of involve like complex binding rituals, you know, circles with all these diagrams and things drawn into the ground out of like salt and stuff like that yeah like a lot of rituals but they're instead they're using you know dark entities yeah Yeah. so so that's kind of our little interpretation just off the top of the head but let's dive into who solomon was so legend has it that king solomon had managed to submit to his will angels, demons, and jinn, to which he then gave various tasks from the construction of his temple to the protection of his famous diamond and gold mines. So here it's just saying that Solomon was like a powerful sorcerer. He was apparently very connected with God and God or Allah gave him the power to... um, to have angels, demons, and jinn submit to his will. Mm. And um, it sounds almost like it was against their will. Like he made them do this. Like he enslaved them. Um, so the notorious king was said to be able to do all of this with the help of a legendary book remembered over time as the Clavicula Salomonis, the Key of Solomon. The book was a collection of rituals, invocations, and conjurations by which an initiate could invoke any spirit and submit it to his will. And here, we'll put the picture up, is one of the pentacles found in the Key of Solomon. And 
there's all these complex diagrams and I, I find them quite interesting because in a lot of like magic this is kind of what we have an idea of it's like these different diagrams and spell charts and um yeah so this is the from the key of solomon and it's called the great pentacle and apparently it should be written on sheepskin paper or virgin parchment the paper should be tinted green and the circle with the 72 divine letters should be red or the letters may be gold the letters within the pentacle should be the same red or sky blue everywhere with the great name of God in gold. It serves to convene all spirits when shown to them. They will bow and obey you. Yeah, so it was said that at King Solomon's court, humans, angels, demons, and jinn were all gathered, organized by positions and ranks. Each had his own role and task to fulfill, and if one made a mistake, he had to explain himself to the king. Even the book 1001 Nights speaks about the punishment of a jinn who upset the king and who with the help of magic formulas contained in the book was imprisoned into a bottle and thrown into the sea, which is probably where we've got our idea of the genie in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. He's in a lamp though, but... Hmm. Genie in the lamp, genie in the bottle. Yeah. So, according to rabbinic literature, Solomon had received the right to command both spirits and animals as a result of his modesty as he prayed only for wisdom instead of material wealth. Thus, the kingdom prospered and demons bought precious gemstones on a regular basis, which increased its wealth and glory. Apart from the magic book, Solomon was also the owner of a magic ring known as the Seal of Solomon. This gave him power over demons, and with the help of this ring, the king was thought able to capture Asmodeus himself, the king of demons, and make him obey his will. The ring is also known as the Ring of Andaleb, and those who have tried to get their hands on it through various means have not been few. Don't know what that means. Uh, I'm reading from um, ancientorigins.com, where this story is from. So according to legend, the Temple of Solomon was built by angels and demons with the stones used in constructions carved by a shamir, a worm that could cut through stone brought from heaven on Solomon's command. Solomon also submitted the two chained demons to his will, Uzzah and Azazel, and forced them to reveal all the secrets he wanted to know for educational purposes, of course. And Solomon ordered demons to take some of his friends, including Hiram, on one-day trips to hell. So he was a pretty big guy. Yeah. And apparently, as well, um, the jinn and humans were much closer together um, before they kind of interacted on the same plane. The jinn were a bit more elusive though, um, but Solomon eventually, um, because the jinn were kind of getting prideful and harming humans, um, Solomon bound them and sealed them away um, behind his gates, the gates of Solomon. And um, 
it's apparent that they kind of are were are like forced to be be hidden in the unseen behind the veils, um, and they can only influence now through suggestion, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So now we can get into the understanding of the jinn, um, because so far we don't really know much about them, um, and. It's important to note that most of what we know of the jinn comes from Islamic religious texts. Um, and we have to take into account that just as Christianity shifted many of the narratives, it's probable to say that the Muslims did so as well when it comes to the mention of the jinn. Um, and the history of them is obscure because many of the texts were burnt which is often a common theme amongst those in power. They kind of burn the history of those before so that so they can write Solomon their own. So was Solomon like before Jesus? Or? Yeah. Oh, I think so. So it's kind of like... Or he, no, no, he was life. after. He was after. He, no. He was like the son of Abraham. Someone. I can't quite remember. And uh, just because everything that that's been said so far sounds very mythology. But... Mm. He was an actual king. Yeah, okay. So he was an actual king um, right. that ruled, apparently. Um, and he was one of the descendants of, like, the children of Adam. So there was the children of Adam, and then he, you know, they had, like, Abraham and all those different people that went out and, and founded all the different lands in that area. And then he was one of those, the sons of them. Um, yeah. His powers, are they myth? Are they true? Mm. We do not know. I'm not convinced so far. <laughs> well, that's really all we're going to get into um, with Solomon. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on him a little bit, but today, the purpose of today's episode is not to dive into Solomon himself, but the jinn. Okay. Um, so, according to Islamic belief, God or Allah in Islamic texts, um, has created humans from clay, angels from light, and jinns from fire. So the common factor between jinns and angels is that both can appear in any form and shape. They're not really limited to form. Humans, however, do not possess this ability. The appearance of angels is always of a pure kind, whereas jinns have the potential to be impure. So they're not negative beings um, per se. Um, angels possess only intellect, whereas jinns possess intellect and desire, like humans. So, but they're made of a different element. And um, because of their, uh, their implied desires, it would say that the jinn are not always pure. And so this, in these texts, it it's it like kind of warns humans to stay away from them because mm -hmm. they have their own agendas and only to really um, trust in the one God or the different angels. Um, so there are 37 instances in the Quran where the jinns have been mentioned and the jinns in, in the text, it says the jinn we created before of intensely hot fire. So the jinn were created before humans. And um, another instance, it says that he created jinn from the fire free of smoke. 
And when we talk about fire free of smoke in Islamic connotations, it refers to the sun and the heat and light of that fire mm. there. Um, but it could also refer to a more ethereal substance, like um, considering that they are the unseen, they're like these beings that are hidden from us. Um, it could be some sort of like ethereal fire that may, you know, some, some burning light that doesn't produce smoke like it does the element within our physical world. So maybe a fire that we're not really, um, it might be the essence of fire, you know, the spiritual element before fire manifests into the physical. Mm. Um, yeah. So the jinn live invisibly with us on a parallel realm. They apparently can marry, have children, and all of this. They have their own cities, societies, kings, um, and everything like that. Um, and although they cannot be seen to most unless they want to reveal themselves, there were a few figures who are known to have had the ability to communicate with these creatures. And I actually joined like this Sufi circle, which is like this mystical Islamic tradition. And um, one of the sheikhs that had passed, actually, that they would all, always mention with reverence, said that he would often commune with jinn and spirits. And but mainly they were like, stay away from them, you know, just, you know, sing the holy songs and, you know. Just, they can be tricksters. They can kind of trick you into, mm. um, into things. So, um, so apparently Muhammad, which is the prophet in um, Islamic texts, was said to be able to speak with the jinn. And he even converted, apparently, many of the jinn to um, Islam. Um, and to God <laughs> with his holy words. Many of the jinn were like, yeah, I'm going to follow you. Um, and there was the also the other Islamic prophet who also appears in Christianity, who we just talked about, and that was King Solomon. And King Solomon ruled over ancient Israel and was thought to be one of the most wise men in the world. And it... Tradition tells us that he was also a prophet who was given the ability to speak with not only jinn, but animals as well. There was this one text where he, he said, they said that he could hear like even the tiniest footfall of insects. Like he was said to have a great amount of power. Mm. Um, so he, you know, like we said before, had the control over them. And he could bind even the rebellious jinn and make them do what he wanted. And it was said that he used these almost like enslaved jinn to build the first his first temple, which allowed him to learn cures for illnesses that were inflicted on humans by jinn. So, yeah, like we said, the jinn were not necessarily good or bad to begin with, and they lived for thousands of years apparently before humans, um, before humans did. And it was said that because they grew prideful and deemed themselves not only on a higher status than humans, but above the rules of divine law, that they eventually, 
led to their downfall. Uh, it's weird because when you were saying that, I was like getting really intense ringing in my ear. Really? Yeah. But I've been getting a lot of ringing in my ear lately, and I think it's there is something around trying to communicate. What do you think it is? I don't know. I need to like actually open up to it, I mm. guess. But it's weird because I was thinking that earlier, like, um, yeah, I should probably like try. I feel like that is spirit saying like open up to communicate, you know. Mm. Um, but I have just been busy and not doing so much of that work. And then it's weird when you're talking about this. It's like really, it's so loud in my ear that like I almost couldn't hear. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it's not just some defense mechanism? Because you're like, God, this is boring. I'm going to tune out. No, not at all. <laughs> I just thought like, oh, it's interesting. I wonder if like I, there's something to do with these spirits that we're talking about. Mm. You know? because do you need I, time to prepare or can you just jump in channel something no not right. i don't <laughs> think right now maybe it's boring and i'm sitting here meditating <laughs> but yeah mm. because I, I was having the thought of like my experience with earthbound and i was like thinking well these don't sound there's a lot of similar things with earthbound spirits mm -hmm. which i understand you yeah. know but it's like then there's some things that don't. And I literally had that thought, like, well, some things don't resonate with what I know for earthbound spirits because obviously they're passed on humans for me, earthbound spirits. Passed on humans? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then these gems, like, live in, like, their own realm, like, parallel to this. Yeah. And they're not passed on humans. So I literally had that thought, oh okay, then they're not the same as earthbound spirits because before that I was starting to think, okay, this is, sounds a lot like earthbound spirits. Or like elementals or something? No, not no, elementals, no. like passed on... Um, no, spirits that are bound to earth yeah. that can't move on or something? Yeah, because yeah. of trauma and stuff. And then that's why they have a tri often have a trickster energy because mm. they've been bound here for so long and they want the attention of us, mm. you know. And the jinns seem to have this interest in you know tricking us and what what you're saying mm. and like even making us ill and you know but then that kind of um made me think of like thought bound um thought form entities mm -hmm. because how we actually we're so strong we can actually create entities and really think like I, you know, I'm yeah. being attacked, I'm being haunted, and you can, you know, do it to the point where you're being attacked and um, seeing them and, mm. you know, in a lot of fear, but it's actually thought forms that you've projected and created. Yeah, and um, they totally could, they could be so, that. So, you know? yeah, it could be then. And as I was, like, going through in my head, trying to, you know, just trying to relate, like, how, how can I see these gens in my reality mm. and what I know that's when the ringing just started oh interesting yeah well what's interesting is that according to El Zain pagan Arabs worshipped the jinn long before Islam was introduced to the 7th century and this is why I'm like so annoyed that 
people who just go and burn stuff because it would be very interesting to <laughs> to hear what these guys had to say about them. Um, There's tons of history that's just been destroyed you yeah. know, by by religion, in fact. So. Yeah, by religion, and so um, so these pagan Arabs were big believers in the occult and mysticism and everything like that, and they um, sometimes worshipped the jinn. And it was said that this worshipping of the jinn gave the jinn more power, and um, the jinn like if you gave them a lot of praise and stuff like that could offer you a boon or something or like some sort of wish um, because they had more power it seems than over the material realm than humans did they were less bound to it and they could also manifest things um, they often were said to conjure sandstorms um, you know like keep um, veil oasis so if there was travelers they would hide oasises from them and stuff like that but these old pagan Arabs um, apparently worshipped these beings and they believed that the spirits were masters of certain crafts and elements of nature and they had the power to turn plots of land fertile and jinn are believed to kind of both interact with human in our reality and lead their own lives in a separate realm. So they did have some sort of strange fascination. And there was even this one text where a man claimed to have slept with a jinn. Um, mm, like people, like that woman who slept with a ghost and married yeah. a ghost that we watched the yeah. interview with. <laughs> yeah. So Elzine writes that as spiritual entities, the jinn are considered dual dimensional and the ability to live and operate in both and manifest in both manifest and invisible domains. So I would say humans have that potential, but I feel like we've fallen a lot or maybe we're bound a lot by our earth, our natural um, earth element, um, which they always, in this context, they always say that we're made from clay or earth, <laughs> which I'm, I'm trying to think in like a spiritual sense, like what's the true essence of that earth? Maybe that means we were made in materiality, um, but as we also have the spirit, so we also have the potential to see and communicate with those other beings. Of course, most, re most big monotheistic religions like Islam and Christianity say that that is not your purpose. You you do not have the right to do that you know those are only for the prophets and that's mm -hmm. only you know stay away from that just focus on the material which um i don't agree with yeah like i i think i think that you it's kind of about having a balance because a lot of spiritual people um just completely become so obsessed with being spiritual and reaching a higher dimension and these experiences they're having in astral that they completely lose touch of the beautiful gift of this short life we have you know and how actually um you know that the biggest thing about being on in this life is 
the connection with other people who are here to mirror and reflect and mm. um, re- relationships and stuff. So, like like you said, there are very few people who are meant to have that experience of meditating on the mountain for the whole of their life. Mm. Um, or it can, you know, you go down a road of just wanting to do all these spiritual drugs all the time so that you can feel this elated feeling which is amazing to have those experiences like now and again throughout your life but um when you're constantly seeking that what are you running away from Mm. in your current life what why can't you be content and happy within the mundane with within the light within your life that's something that I I still feel like I'm mm. learning, but a big message has been coming to me about that because I often find myself like really seeking that. So I do mm. think it is a balance um, between the material and and connecting with your higher self and spirit, and mm-hmm. um, it's not you know completely bad everything within the material yeah. realm. Totally, totally. And just like the balance you were speaking, the morality and the nature of the jinn appears to differ um, depending on the source. And in, and just like humans, there's bad humans and there's good humans. Yeah, there's... I definitely believe that, that there's good and bad spirits. Yeah. And a lot of, even with aliens, what's his face? He always says that all aliens are, are really nice. Um, and I... I love a lot of his information but that is something i i don't agree with it's like saying every single human Mm. is pure and nice but i think yeah at at the core we are because at the core we all go back to source yeah but it's like how are you behaving so Mm. in this current like lifetime and stuff totally so yeah in some variations we see the jinn as good intention spirits or neutral essences that exist alongside us and in other renditions of the jinn, we see the creatures or the beings take the form of demons, which of course seek to harm. So since the jinn were never able to be defined as entirely good or evil, it would appear that Islam adopted various spirits and supernatural creatures from what was once contemporary paganistic beliefs and incorporated them into their core religion. Um, so by this, the jinn aren't necessarily a specific group of entities, but perhaps more so a cluster of very different beings that all funder, fall under the same label. Because as we're going to get into later, they we begin to classify a lot of the different subspecies within the jinn, and they all sound very, very different. So I'm thinking that like perhaps there is an element, and like this sort of being that's crafted from fire, mm-hmm. um, this pure fire, but also have the ability of desire and stuff and free will whereas the angels do not have that ability they they're they were said to be born um, without that and could only follow the divine law and when we kind of think about it in the grand scheme of things angels and the divine law maybe they're bound to sacred geometry they're bound to you know certain rules within the universe that adhere to a specific frequency um, whereas you know humans and jinn apparently have the ability to choose which way they want to go um, 
and perhaps you could say that demons are the ones who um, are the uh, op the op opposition to angels. Maybe they're they're bound to their own morality, which is a darker one. Mm. All right, to keep pulling this hood up. Okay, this is better. <laughs> yeah, you can't see it. <laughs> so, um, in some cultures. The jinn who call sandstorms in higher velocity winds, and the sandstorms are also thought to be the result of jinn fighting one another, which shows how destructive these beings can be and what sort of power they hold. Um, it could also be possible that these are kind of the stories that the Bedouins and the travelers of the old landscape of the deserts gave personification to the elements mm. and over time um, through monotheistic religion it they became known as jinn or spirits um, but yeah in islam they they apparently cause so much problem to humans that there are actual islamic laws dealing with jinn <laughs> which is that. very different um to the Western side of things where, you know, we're trying to separate church and state. Um, and so, I mean, it hasn't quite happened yet, but like our laws are mainly just physical things, whereas they bring a lot of spirituality into their laws, which can be good and bad, you know? Yeah, because it's like, how can you prove it? It's like with the witch trials. Yeah, exactly. So what I found, just I'm just going to dive into it a little bit, um, but according to Islamic legislation, seeking help from a jinn is impermissible. You cannot do it. How can you be proven that you've done that? Who knows? Maybe you're this person who has a basement and you're like, hey, I'll help you if you give help you for a price. You give me some money, you got a sick child, I'll seek the help of a jinn and heal you. Did the jinn really heal, though? Yeah, you? they say that the jinn can cure diseases, um, that they have the power to remove that, and so... But in exchange of what? Like, I, I thought they were diseases caused by jinn. They, the diseases, the jinn can cause diseases, and they can also remove them. Yeah, but then what about the diseases that aren't caused by jinn? You can remove those too, apparently. Okay. Yeah. So they might invoke some sort of ritual, offer something, or just bind them to do their will. Um, but that is against the law. Um, it says the jinn belong to the unseen. Hence, it is difficult for man to judge whether they are Muslim, disbelievers, pious, or hypocrites. This is in it. It requires full acquaintance with their morals, religions, and adherence to the teachings of Islam, and one can never be sure of something like this because one does not possess the criteria for judging them. That is only reserved for the prophets and God. Moreover, it has never been reported that the prophet um, ever sought help from the jinn or ever resorted to them to fulfill their needs. With the widespread ignorance and lack of knowledge in this age, man may slip into the trap of magic under the pretense of seeking help from the jinn to achieve something good. Not only this, but man can also be a victim to their deception and malice without knowing. This may tempt to the, to the common people to resort to magic and magicians under the same pretense. Anyone who claims that subjugating the jinn to him is a supernatural ability that he has been granted is a liar. 
because this is not subject to man's will. It is a matter that is decided by Allah the Almighty that he endows upon his righteous slaves. So God voices back. They'll probably be tried as a liar and like heretic and I'm not sure what the punishment for that is. Um, Yeah, it's kind of effed up. Yeah. So in the 14th or 15th century, variations of mysterious documents by Abramelin appeared in the West. It listed the names of 72 Goetic spirits, their names, their ranks and descriptions and the power of each spirit. But these, as we know, the Goetia are more likely jinn. Um, And within Abramelin's documents, um, after a series of complex rituals lasting six months, the magician is supposed to be ready to meet his holy guardian angel by in part invoking these Goetic spirits. but the lack of history before the appearance of the Abramelin rituals suggests the rituals were borrowed from elsewhere. So these new interpretations of like how to summon these demons or these jinn mm. don't really adhere to the Solomonic era. So they might have been newer Western magic applied to these this concept um, that Solomon from the Lesser Keys of Solomon. It might be emerging of its own. Um, of the Western pagan beliefs and the Solomon. So, like we said before, the Abermelon documents were derived from Arabic sources, just so much of our Western magic originates from. And the medieval Judeo-Christian perspective makes us view the Goetia as demonic, but anything that is not God is understood as demonic. So... um, yeah, according to Paul Hughes Barlow, the 72 jinn correspond to the 72 quinances of five degrees of the zodiac circle. Each quinance is a gateway to new worlds. Each jinn controls and reflects the powers beyond that gateway. The sequence of jinn also corresponds to the cards of the minor arcana of the tarot. So, for example, Ba'al, Ba'el, as we talked about in the last episode, Nagaris are also the ruling powers of the first 10 degrees or decanate of Aries and the Two of Wands dominion. Two of Wands? What does that mean to you? Two of Wands isn't, like, you would never think it's attached to a demon. Well, they're not demons, apparently. All right. Okay. Well, Jin. Yeah. Um, well, the Two of Wands is just, you know, he's looking out it's a it's an energy of like wanting to go out and pursue a new passion or find a new passion like that moment before you put any action towards a Mm. dream it's the action of producing the dream Mm. okay so what he's what paul hughes barlow is suggesting is that the 72 gin um leaders or whatever that are talked about in the lesser keys of solomon are range in difference and are can be attributed to the um, minor arcana so you because we say they're not good or bad so you could may perhaps is what he's saying here is that baal and agaras when you kind of conjure them or summon them or work with them 
are the ruling powers of the first degrees of Aries and the two of wands dominion. So if you work with those, you could get that energy outcome of, you know, what you just said. Mm-hmm. So it could be something related to that. Um, but this is, again, is just a modern person's interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but let's get a bit back into kind of the ancient stuff. So like many other beings, the jinn can be either male or female and they can exist independently or attach themselves to inanimate objects. So especially old objects in which they can reside and use to travel. For example, it was believed that jinn could become attached to precious or semi-precious stones such as opals. In the Middle East, archaeologists have found evidence from the pre-Islamic era which suggests that During that time, there was no clear distinction between spirits inferior to angels and jinn. In Northwest Arabia, archaeological evidence has also clearly suggested the worship of jinn. And in a region near Palmyra, an unearthed inscription called Jinn, the Good and Rewarding Gods. Interesting. But despite all archaeological evidence regarding jinn worship, the Quran rejects this practice and says... Allah is the only one who is to be revered and worshipped. And a quote from the Quran, but they have attributed to Allah partners, the jinn while he has created them and have fabricated for him sons and daughters without knowledge, exalted is he and high above what they describe. So I'm not sure what that means. It's, Mm. It's kind of like while Allah created them, they fabricated sons and daughters without his knowledge. That kind of reminds me of like Enoch and the, you know, the watchers and stuff and how they made children against God's will with the men of humans and made giants. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. So Jinn are most commonly known from the tales contained in Arabian Nights, a writing which illustrates several kinds of jinn and spirits. According to the text, numerous spirits and entities exist alongside humans, and they interact with one another just as they interact with humans. Out of all these entities, the type of jinn known as Ifrit is described as physically larger than the rest, as well as the most powerful. And another kind of jid is the marid and is said to live in seas and oceans as a spirit of water. So we're kind of getting jinn. There's, it's like there's many meanings for jinn. It's like in Muslim Islamic texts, they say jinn are these beings that are made of fire. They can be good or bad. But here we're seeing that there are different types of jinn and um maybe jinn is more spirit or these unseen beings yeah, and it just feels like a like a broad term for spirit which could be all types of spirits yeah it's apart getting, from where you started at the beginning where you're saying they have their own cities and stuff that was the only bit that that threw me off but yeah otherwise they did yeah it just seems like a word for spirits because with this with the ones that live in the sea then you know you could it could be gods goddesses at this point mm. something you hear in mythology and you as witches or um magicians you can call on those energies and 
work with them mm. just as I guess you could a jinn but it seems like a jinn could be any of these yeah mm. yep and it's a shame that most of what we can get is t- tinted with the is the modern Islamic view because it'll be interesting to get more of the ancient you know pagan which is pagan just means the worship of many gods yeah uh, or the belief in many gods could you not find any of that no it's very hard to find mm. yeah um so like they said jinn can be dangerous and hostile towards humans and they like to use twist of words and human desires against them so they like to twist language around that's why you have to be careful what you wish for because you could wish for something like i wish i have um 10 million dollars but they could twist those words around or something and also twist the way you get that money mm-hmm. you know it could yeah. it could come with a lot of death or you know curses that and eventually you get what you wanted but at what price and so that saying comes from be careful what you wish for because you just might get it yeah and it's it's um you have to be very clear with your intention with your wording um so that it cannot be misconstrued or twisted so it has a very you have to be very smart with your wishes because the jinn can twist the words or outsmart yeah, you. Yeah, because sense. words are spells, and that's why anyone who even knows like the basics of law of attraction and and any kind of spell work, it's you know you you need to be very careful with how you're speaking or how you're asking for things during these affirmations or these spells so often it's best to act as if rather than i want because then you're manifesting more wanting Mm. you know it's you know if what you want to manifest something it's like i have this cup you know but something you want i have this car makes sense because you if you say i want you might find that you just manifest and that continuously wanting and mm. not getting yeah and yeah like even if you're like i mean even if you say i am the mo- i wish to be the most powerful person alive like there's so much wiggle room in there oh yeah about, i like, wish it's uh, like you know about what could happen um for you to get that you could be the most powerful person in the world but you're a chicken you know they can twist things around like that or not a chicken but you're the most powerful person alive but you're just a floating head or are you in order to do that you know entire cities had to burn yeah um because the jinn will act to decree your wish through unseen means through the invisible um, so unlike angels, the jinn, like we've talked about before, have the free will. They apparently usually live in highly remote areas with clouds, waters, trees, and mountains. They are traditionally said to live in their own communities and their ex- existence can remain secret as they're av- able to travel over great distances extremely quickly. Um, 
so they can ride the wind. Yeah, you know. then it's like, why it doesn't make sense for earlier when they said they attach to objects so that they can travel. Yeah, there's, there's, they can do, there's, they have a lot of different powers. But they apparently. can already travel with the wind, so why would you attach yourself to a stone, which is going to move around very slowly in comparison? Well, maybe it's, I don't know if that's what it means by travel. Like, I don't know if you attach yourself to a stone and then... Well, like, you're, you said objects. Yeah, but they could do that. Um, like, we'll kind of get into it, but they are apparently, um, like, attached sometimes bound to the tombs of pharaohs and that's where we kind of get this idea of the curse of the pharaohs mm. is that the the jinn are bound within the old objects there and if should you take it out of its place you will get cursed and it's the apparently the working of the jinn um and perhaps they like to attach themselves to objects to um you know get into the minds of men and stuff like that so who knows their why what their desires are mm. and what they do, um, yeah. So it is said that so out of one of the jinn, the most famous in the Quran is this one called Iblis, and he was apparently so Allah created man and he asked angels and jinn to bow before Adam. But at that one time, one jinn exerted his free will and chose to obey the creator. He was the Iblis. For his disobedience, he was banished from paradise and he became the devil under the name of Shaitan. <laughs> Sounds like Satan. Shaitan. Shaitan. Man, Shaitan. Shaitan over there. Um... Yeah, and so he became kind of the devil image in the old texts and stuff. There's those horns again, if you guys haven't watched mm. our devil episode. Um, yeah, so there's lots of stuff here kind of about him and the power of Shaitan. And apparently he is a jinn that... Um, he has like extreme pride and arrogance and he can influence humans by whispering and, and instigating people to do evil. But it is up to each human to decide whether, wishes, whether he wishes to follow the suggested evil path or not. So it's kind of saying that he lacks any kind of control, but he can like tempt. Like here, let me tempt you with this. Like, and I, I guess that's kind of the expression of you know, the negative side of all of our desires, like, you know, with, let's say, like, um, power or something, he could tempt you to go kill for power, or for greed, or for, yeah. you know, even for, like, sexual desires, mm. you know, you can all imagine what the negative connotation of that is. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of him, but... There are technically several different types of beings. So now we're just kind of getting to the last part and just kind of explore um, through this. And I thought it was very interesting because, you know, we kind of hear of spirits and beings through one lens most of the time. And we have I've never really did, dove into the kind of Arabic view of all of this. Yeah, so, it's an interesting change. Um, there are several different types of beings that exist within the jinn definition. 
um, and they have several subspecies of their own. And it is unknown if the distinctions are created to differentiate between good and evil jinn or actual races inside the jinn group. And um, Sewer 72 tells us that there are different types of jinn that exist. And um, there are also references to other type of jinn in ancient texts. But it's interesting that the number 72 comes up. Like They're mentioned in Surah 72, and then there's the 72 um, jinn in the 72 enlisted in the Ars Goetia of the Lesser Keys of Solomon, but... It's a nine. Mm, a nine. Okay, so... I'll try and get some photos of all of these. I don't have them for you. Okay. But I'll try and get them for our put viewers. Put up on screen. To put up on the screen. So, the Ifrit are a type of jinn that are thought to frequent ancient ruins. And there are many myths in modern day that the Ifrit, like we said before, protect the Egyptian pyramids and burial grounds. It is thought that if someone tries to open these areas without having an anti-spell, the Ifrit would come and kill the offender. Ifrit are known to live in societies that are much like human worlds. They have royalty and social ranking that follow the example of Arabic tribal lines, including tribes and clans. While they prefer to marry other Ifrit, they are known to be able to marry humans and have children with them. Ifrit are also known to have the power to grant wishes. And while Ifrit have free will and are known to be able to choose to be believers or non-believers, most Ifrit are considered to be wicked and malevolent creatures that should be avoided at all costs. The Marit. These are one of the most well-known types of jinn and are thought to be the most powerful as well. They are the jinn that most modern-day understandings of genies are based off of and have the ability to shift form. The word marid itself means giants, which speaks to their large form. The marid are known to be able to grant wishes and are likely the source of the three wishes legend. However, obliging these wishes come at a costly price. Most often, it requires a great deal of battle to obtain a wish, but they can also be made to grant wishes if they are imprisoned with a magic or if there's a ritual performed in their honor. Flattery has also proven to work, but an extraordinary amount of flattery is needed to gain favor. Interesting. <laughs> now, the ghoul. I've got a picture there. It doesn't look very nice. Ghouls are some of the most greatly feared jinn because of their ability to shapeshift and their tendency to prey on humans. Uh. While our, all jinn are feared to some extent, ghoul are especially feared because of their craving for human flesh. While ghouls are usually content to feed on a corpse, they are also content to devour humans that are still living and make them a great threat. They frequent graveyards and ruins, which is not much of a surprise and they tend to attack people who travel alone oh great <laughs> um, female ghouls are especially feared because their ability to appear as normal and beautiful mortal women they convince human men to marry them before devouring them <laughs> there's some there's some myths like that in the west um, yeah where they they can disguise themselves as beautiful women or something to lure in men to their deaths, like the sirens or the silkies with their songs. 
That Megan Fox movie, Jessica's Body. Vampire? She was a vampire, right? No. Oh, she wasn't? No, she had, she had some kind of demon in her. Oh, right. Yeah. Good movie. But it, it was created... It happened because some fucked up guys, like, did some weird ritual on her. Oh, did she we was watch that together? No. Oh. I watched it, like, way back. But, yeah, like, they you know did a ritual on her because she's a virgin and mm. took her virginity and murdered her mm. and then she came back she was already beautiful anyway but came back like as the same visual but was mm. now like this demon that wanted to kill men oh yeah i watched uh, i might not have remembered that right no i watched a enough. short movie review on it yeah um yeah that that triggers my memory um, okay, the hin. Hin are a type of jinn that tend to appear as dogs or other animals. They are, um, yeah, so they say that there might be a connection where um, there was this phenomenon where strange dogs would lure foreign soldiers into the desert during World War II, and then they would just disappear. And vanish no, I don't like that idea because you don't like to think of animals like cute dogs. Or well, if you think of um, the skinwalkers, yeah, those are kind of similar. Yeah. Um, the John, they are shapeshifters who live in the desert and some of the most open-minded and friendly jinn to interact with humans. In fact, they were some of the first jinn that interacted with humans, and they are known to appear in the form of whirlwinds and white camels. Um, John can be mischievous as they have the ability to hide or reveal the presence of an oasis, depending on whether or not they like a group of travelers. Despite their mischief, they are powerful allies, especially because they are enemies of the ghoul. The, the whirlwind thing, I... Whirlwind, like you know, is that just when? Yeah. Oh my god! One crazy spiritual experience I had, and I don't know if I ever told you, but I was at the field a couple years ago, about two years ago now, with um, two or three years is with Kelly, mm. and it was like a summer's day. No, it was like you know, it was a still day, but there were some leaves, you know, like on the floor but not tons because the ground was really dry and there was this area in my horse's field where um, the it wasn't a lot of grass it was very sparse you know because the trees covered it yeah and there was some like fallen leaves and debris but loose earth where it hadn't rained in a while so it was just and it was a really still day and suddenly this whirlwind come up in this spot and all the dirt and leaves were going up like how high did it in get? the air up to the trees whoa like really high whoa and it was just like and no wind and like me and kelly are just like what the hell i was like kelly did you see that <laughs> like what was that you know Ooh. but i never went beyond like thinking like yeah, it's just weird that something was associated with world winds because I've never looked into that and yeah. You could have. Not convinced by the jinns, but at least it's nice to know that's the friendliest you one. You could have right? met a John, and they're known to help humans in their 
war struggles throughout history. Well, it was a hard time because we were going through, that was like the beginning of mm. Barney's di uh, diagnosis. So my horse, Barney, was really sick at that time. We were really in a stressful time. Um, mm. And yeah, so that's just interesting. Like, cause... Yeah, not, they can protect. Um, in wars, they're said to protect warriors who fight for the right cause. Yeah, it's weird. I wonder if anyone else has had experience with world winds. Hmm. Interesting. So, let's see. Um, there's so many different types of gin. Let's see this one. The palace is a type of gin that has many similarities to the vampires of Europe. They live in the desert and drain all the blood from their victims by licking the soles of their feet. Oh, I forgot this, this one, and sucking the blood out that way. However, the palace are also very low intelligence. You can outsmart a palace if two people sleep end to end with the soles of their feet together or under each other's heads. Is it beds long enough? <laughs> Maybe it's like written up when people used to sleep in like tents all together. On the floor. On the floor. Yeah. Um, the Kareen. The Kareen are perhaps one of the most interesting breeds of gin. It is thought that every person in the world is born with their own Kareen. This Kareen is the part of the human that causes them to do bad things. It is possible to train the Kareen to become a servant, but it is thought that this process takes many years and can be dangerous. Successful endeavors, however, are very rewarding. The Prophet turned his Kareen into a Muslim and did away with his evil nature entirely. <laughs> Other benefits including, include <laughs> obtaining information on any person in the world. Every human has a Korean, so if you make your Korean your servant, it can talk to others of its kind and report back to you. Well, it's like an effed up spirit guide. That's what it sounds like. Because it's kind of saying that anything bad I do, I'm blaming it on my Korean. Mm. Um, and you have to be like a dominatrix to sub yeah <laughs> whip it into shape but like it's just have ownership over your own shit and your spirit but then like the way that it, you can't like when I do tarot readings I call in the spirit guides of the people I'm doing tarot readings mm. for so that's what it reminds me of a spirit guide because everyone has them and mm. You can gain information through them on other people, mm. like obviously with the permission of the person. Yeah. Um, well, this is probably against their permission because it's yeah, a, that's it's, why I said it sounds like an effed up can, spirit um, guide. Yeah, you can influence others, Koreans, to get that person to do whatever you want. Yeah, and it just depends what kind of like practitioner you are and yeah. stuff because kind of... I, I know stuff like that is possible but it's like if you believe in the threefold law like what are you bringing back three times to you for doing that you totally. know yeah exactly. it's a, but everyone has different systems of belief but it's like it's hard to see it through my belief system that that would turn out good yeah yeah and it kind of reminds me of the shinigami have you ever watched the death note no, it's this, it like, wasn't it a, a cartoon. An, it's an anime, yeah. Yeah, I've heard about it. Maybe I watched like a YouTube video on it. Yeah, and the, the Shinigami are these Japanese, like, 
I don't know. They're they're creepy looking, and they reside in another realm, but um, they can come and visit the human realm, and um, apparently they can work for different humans, and they often will like scout things out and talk with other Shinigami about what's going on. So, um, kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, the Shaitin are evil jinn that have no hope for salvation. Okay, that's about all we need to say about those guys. <laughs> um, no, what they that guy's they, got a really long tongue. The Shaitin oh have the ability to cause illness and even death. So these are probably the negative jinns that we were talking about, and they're also known to have the ability to possess humans. Um, yeah. So, That's kind of what makes you think of demons and mm. demons and you know all those classic films like The Exorcist. And... Yeah, it sounds like Jin is like an umbrella term. There's like humans, God, angels, everything else. Jin. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, the Vitala are often thought as the original vampires as well and are a truly terrifying type of jinn because they have the ability to possess corpses and prevent them from decaying. This allows them to move about freely in the human world and be virtually undetectable, except for the fact that you're a walking corpse. <laughs> so you yeah. have to oh, probably yeah. I get... <laughs> read a, a novel recently about, a, I think it was called The Bone Witch, and like it was a type of... That you was... read The Bone Witch? Yeah, I think it was called The Bone Witch. Oh, yeah. I tried to read that. How was it? I never yeah. ended up getting uh, did you try page 100. To... Yeah, right. I got through the whole thing. <laughs> oh, my God. I gave it a bad review. <laughs> um, because I was just like, oh, I didn't have anything else to read. And I was just like, push through it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, her ability was that. Do you remember when she got her brother, she, like, resurrected her brother. And then the whole of the book... Um, she's wandering around with her brother, like, and he's like got all these symptoms of being a corpse. But yeah, it's like that it is such a bad book. We should watch. It just reminded me of this movie <laughs> with like a zombie romance. Oh God! <laughs> is it comedy? It's yeah. It's kind of comedy. Okay. But yeah, that book I could not get through it. No, I don't know how I did. Yeah. And I hate giving bad reviews. I doubt reviews. I even made it to page 100. No, I hate giving bad reviews, but I had to. Yeah, well, some books deserve it. Yeah, and I started the um, second book, but I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> was it like free on Yeah, it was free. Kindle Unlimited? Yeah. That's how you know they're going to be bad. You got it. Come on. I got it in a book format. Yeah. Because it was like recommended to me on some like fantasy fiction yeah, and website it, it was high, highly rated that's why i was like what's wrong with me like it's yeah. got to get better i had this thing of it's gonna get better it's gonna get better didn't yeah well the vitala are intelligent and psychic and they're often said to have the ability to read thoughts and to tell a person's future they look terrifying. Like, look at that disgusting tongue. Well, I don't know who drew that. <laughs> I guess they're just trying to... Got no uh, eyes. It's got some tongue. I don't think tongue. any what corpse that thing has that long oh, of a tongue. The button with the... That guy who had that long oh, tongue. Yeah, he did have a long tongue. Mm. 
Alright, well, yeah, that's that's all of them. Um, yeah, we kind of got through all the different types and the various gin. Although, speaking of books, there is a cool book about this kind of stuff. So if any, if you got interested in this, there is um, a fiction book written by someone, Chowdhury, and it's called The City of Brass. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Well, it's about gin. It's about gin and all the different species and their cities and this... Um, Did you read it? I read it. I read all three books. All right. Yeah, I really love that series. Um, and... A girl, like a human who's like kind of half human, half something or other, she ends up like going and finding one of these gins and a gin city. And then it's a story that unfolds from there. But I thought it was really cool um, because this author really paints a a very descriptive, vivid picture of this world Mm -hmm. and gets into all the different types of beings and um, the Ifrit, the Devas, the Marid. Um, in this, in her book, she also talked about these wind beings, which were kind of like a different um, being as well. And they were kind of like bird-like and could control the winds and stuff. But um, yeah, there's a lot of cool magic in there and interesting romance, politics, world building. So I, I liked those books when I read them. Um, back when I was getting back into reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, if you, yeah, if you like this, if you like the magic, if you want to dive into kind of like an, a very well-written Arabic magic world, that's, that's a good series. Yeah. This is an interesting episode for me cause I'd never heard of the jinn before. Mm. So yeah, it was interesting. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't, I feel like, um, yes, I guess it's, uh, a broad term for spirits, types of spirits, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like, I I don't know. It feels a bit like a religious making you fearful thing, Mm. like with the Christians and the demons and the devil. Or ways to explain bad things happening. Yeah, like to explain away humans' bad choices. Yeah. And morals. Um, yeah, or it's just like how... Although I, I listen but to... But I thing. do believe in spirits, obviously. I had my own experience of spirits, so I don't know whether it's just another culture summing that world up in a yeah. very different way. Yeah, another you know? like cultural interpretation even of these beings and you know you see some beings that kind of turn up in different places some beings that are shared um yeah like i've had experience with that wind with a wind being yeah i wouldn't um or like um you know earth a lot of them had like the, the the traits of you know earthbound beings which is just the trapped mm. dead people sounded yeah. a lot like that the thing i find most interesting is the mention of them in the quran like in the very beginning where it's like they're made from this smokeless fire mm. which kind of 
and and that they're in the same context in the creation myth which is interesting um alongside humans and angels like they were that important that they needed to include them in the creation myth. Yeah, it's you know, like ignore qu- them, blank them, don't have anything to do with them. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, I guess, because a lot of Islamic tradition at the same time is like, you know, there's, we're given, we're not allowed to see certain things for a reason. Some things are only for God. So don't push too far, you know? <laughs> That's kind of a... That mentality. Typical God attitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that old God. Worship me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Classic God. <laughs> Classic. Classic, man. We see you up there in your ring of fire. Your bull. <laughs> You're the, the, the jinn, aren't you? So, let's wrap it up. Yeah. So Thanks yeah, for watching. guys, we hope you are having a awesome, spooky, or cozy Halloween, um, and celebrating in your own way. Maybe um, set out an extra plate, a knife and fork, and a drink for your ancestors tonight. Oh yeah, read up on the true origins of Halloween and yeah. see what kind of rituals are around there, um, and. Maybe this podcast inspired you to dress up as a ghoul or a Yeah, I went for like or... Wednesday Adam vibes mm. today. I just put on my cloak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need more costumes. <laughs> One thing I loved to do as a child was dress up in Me costumes. Me too, yeah. And yeah, more costumes. But then when you go on Etsy to look at like cool costumes, it's like, well, shoot, this costume is going to sent me back 300 to 500 well we can get the fabrics and i'll do some sewing in the winter now i've got my sewing machine yeah cool all right happy halloween guys wait oh we have to put the smog machine i mean smog smog machine Woo! yeah thank you for joining in this series if this is the first of our halloween episodes that you've watched there's three others that we released this month so definitely check those out all right so now we will um attempt to use solomon's lesser key to summon okay and jen you ready, ready.